Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! And we have the final 20 prospects here of our top 100. It's the call-up. I'm Aram Layton. Jack McMullen joining me. Jack, you know what I'm going to say, right? This is the best group of 10. This is the best group of 10 we've talked about yet. <laughs> yes. um, I'm no. so excited. <laughs> this is a group of, of a ton of big league debuts, which is really exciting. Um, and I would say almost everybody on this, we're, we've hit like the proximity range here because Every guy that we're talking about is either in the upper minors or is in the big leagues, except for Marco Luciano, if I'm not mistaken. So very loaded group, very fun group uh, and interesting storylines behind each of these players, because some are playing out of their mind. Some are struggling. Uh, so it's going to be pretty fun to go through what is now 20 to 11. Yeah. Right before we started recording, you went through and you said, let's see, struggling, really struggling, not struggling, not struggling, struggling. Like it was, you know, we've got a wide array of stuff going on. And I think this is the group of 10 where we enter the household names, relatively speaking, because obviously Major League Baseball prospects are not going to be household names. Um, But, you know, you're talking about guys that I think a lot of people, if they're in touch with prospects whatsoever, they know their names, you know, maybe, maybe in the previous groups of 10, like there were one or two guys that you're like, huh, I've never heard of them, but they sound great, especially in the back half of the 50. But you know, now it's, these are the big dogs. And in the back end of this episode, we're going to be talking about the, the baseball card implications of each of these players and, you know, what some of their cards are going for on eBay, because it's pretty crazy when you look at the, you know, CJ Abrams, Corbin Carroll's of the world and what their cards are going for and stacking it up against what are some of the pitchers here, Typically, we always talk about it. You don't invest in pitchers. That's not supposed to happen. You don't buy baseball cards for pitchers. But if I'm going to buy baseball cards of pitchers, it's probably going to be a couple of the guys in this list right here that we're going to get into. Right. And one of them is a guy who I've, I've already purchased uh, several of his cards. You just put out a banger of a piece on uh, JustBaseball.com about George Kirby, not even just about his debut, which was phenomenal. And we'll get we'll get into the specifics of the debut in a moment, uh, but also just what George Kirby brings, because George Kirby is a guy that you know, you look at him and you're like, that's electric stuff, especially the fastball. The secondaries, we'll get into that, could be a little bit better. But he works quickly. He pounds the strike zone, no doubt about that. And 
as you said in your Just Baseball article, which I'm not going to spoil, uh, which you could go check out on the website right now, he's exactly what baseball needs in terms of pace of play and intrigue. Yeah, 100%. And, and the essence of the article is he is the perfect blend of old school principles of pitching and new school obsession with velocity and spin and bite. He meshes those two perfectly. Um, and, you know, he runs his fastball up to triple digits. He, he lights up radar guns. And Rob Friedman had a day on Sunday clipping off George Kirby sliders and fastballs and, you know, just putting them out on Twitter. And they were getting tons of love, not Matt Brash level love, but, you know, pretty damn close with Kirby. What I love about it is, you know, while he might not have as sharp a bite as the Matt Brashes of the world and some of these other arms that we're going to talk about in this crop of 10, he locates everything. Yeah. And it's yeah. not it's not just throwing strikes. It's throwing the highest quality strikes you possibly can. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly, I mean, it's really amazing to watch his East West command. I sent you two clips back to back and uh, you know, that really impressed me with the fastball was against Randy Rosarena and his, his ability to erase hitters counts, right? Because you're in a hitters count. you, You probably have to go to the fastball if you're a typical pitcher, but Kirby has so much confidence in a slider that he'll erase that hitters count with the slider. Uh, by going to a pitch that, you know, a, a guy sees spin in a 2-0 count when they're hunting fastball, they're going to take it all the way. So Kirby will spin that in for a strike. But also, if it's a 2-0 and they're hunting fastball and he paints it on the outside corner, doesn't matter if you're hunting fastball because you're not hunting outside corner heater. And what really stood out to me is a Rosarena back-to-back. It was a hitter's count. He goes on the outside corner, dots it. And then right after that, inside corner, dots it. And at that point, you're just like, what am I supposed to do here? This guy's putting 98 wherever he wants it to go. Uh, the slider, it's not going to get the crazy amount of swings and misses, but his ability to command it allows him to get a lot of weak contact. And really, it's, it's just the fastball that's going to lead the way for Kirby and the way he's able to spot it up. I am interested to see how the secondaries continue to progress, though. I've seen enough to believe in the slider, uh, but it's not like it's some plus pitch. It plays to plus because of the way he locates it. Going to need to see more from the changeup. He only threw it eight times last start and the curveball only four times as well. But I I think that's going to be the difference between what makes him either, you know, a really solid number three or the the elite front line ace type of guy we think he can be. It's got to be just the quality of, of the secondary stuff and how devastating it is. Yeah. And when we say elite frontline ace, we're not talking like, you know, 10 to 15. We're talking top five pitcher in baseball. Mm -hmm. Like that's what this guy can possibly be if he achieves his ceiling. Um, I think that all the secondary pitches tick up because he throws three secondary pitches with confidence. Now, are they elite? No. Are they even great? No, they are good. And they're good enough for him to have confidence in them. And if you mix four pitches, your four pitches don't need to be a plus. He's got an a plus fastball already. Does he have a B slider? Does he have a B minus curveball? Does he have a B minus changeup? I will take an A plus, a B plus, and a slider and two B minuses any day of the week. A hundred percent. And the last thing I'll say on Kirby is, is sliders are pretty easy to adjust, tweak, and improve. Um, yeah. And we talk about just uh, the unteachable side of things when it comes to to command. And and Kirby is as unteachable command. Uh, but the slider we see Logan Gilbert. I talked about this on the Just Baseball show with you. The tweaks that Gilbert's made with his slider. A lot of guys have made tweaks with their breaking ball. 
a, a simple grip change could turn that into a plus pitch for him. So I, I'm willing to bet on Kirby figuring it out to continue to tick up the secondary stuff. But as he stands right now, he's already a, a legitimate solid middle of the rotation arm with that fastball command um, and, and with the ability to just mix in the secondaries enough uh, to allow that fastball to be masked enough and not have guys just sitting dead right on it all the time. But he also doesn't miss over the middle with it very often, which uh, the, the next guy we're going to get into uh, tends to do that a little bit more. Yeah. And honestly, man, like when, when we're looking at it now, comparing George Kirby and Hunter Green is kind of interesting because, you know, we, we, we were talking about Ladolo versus Green and, you know, we have Ladolo at 18, Green at 19 to spoil what's coming ahead. Kirby at 20. Is George Kirby ahead of Hunter Green in terms of, of prospect status? Green sliders better. Um, it's, it's a plus pitch, no doubt. Green's fastball is up to 102. 103, 104, actually, at times even. Green is a freak athlete. He, he's got a lot of things going for him. But Kirby has a fastball that's not that far behind, and he commands it way better. Doesn't quite have the caliber of slider, but has a better changeup and a curveball that he mixes in. Where do these guys stack up? Because on our top 100 right now, Hunter Green's ahead of them. Uh, but I'll get into the specifics on Hunter Green, but as we wrap up Kirby in transition, I want to see what you think before we get yeah. into Green. I think you stack them correctly because we we've talked about Hunter Green before, and you said that that Green's ceiling is unmatched. You know, if he achieves the ceiling that Hunter Green possibly has, he's Jacob Degrom. He's the best pitcher on planet Earth. Yeah, and Kirby is top five, top three. Kirby Kirby's ceiling is Walker Bueller, yeah. which is crazy. Like that's you know top five pitcher in baseball with the possibility of being best. But Hunter Green's ceiling is never before seen. Yeah. So I, I think that's why you have to side with Hunter Green, because I'll take the floor of George Kirby over the floor of Hunter Green every single day you present me that possibility. But I'm going to take the ceiling of Hunter Green over George Kirby. And age was a big factor in this as well, kind of playing into what you're saying. I mean, George Kirby's 24, Hunter Green's 22. So Hunter Green could have two years to, to get to where George Kirby is command wise. And, and not to mention Hunter Green has not had very many innings under his belt at the minor league level due to injuries. Then no 2020 and all those things. Uh, Green showed flashes of insanity, especially against the Dodgers in his debut uh, and in early outings. Now his fastball is the most abused pitch in major league baseball, Jack, we've talked about this. When we, when we talked about the red system, I went deep into the write-up and how, how the fastball was going to be a problem for him. When he got called up, I was concerned that the fastball was going to be a problem for him because he's throwing it two thirds of the time. It's rather flat and nobody is, uh, nobody's going to be blown away by just a fastball. It's going to be really hard to do that uh, as a starter, as a reliever, it's a different story, but you give big league hitters an opportunity to hunt fastball and to cheat for it, 102 doesn't matter. And especially when Hunter Green's missing over the middle. When I was watching his AAA starts, it was a lot of the former big leaguers, the journeymen that were taking him deep because they're the guys that have that uh, understanding of how to beat guys like Hunter Green. Until Hunter Green gets a third pitch or develops the command of George Kirby with the fastball, he's going to continue to get his fastball pummeled uh, like no other pitch we're seeing right now. Yeah, I, you know, I think you worded it best in here. You said that being said, Green gives up more loud contact on the fastball than you might expect from a guy who throws as hard as he does. Green allowed 11 of his 13 homers on the season on his fastball. 
we knew that the big ball was going to be a possibility against him. And it was in his first couple of starts, even though it was, you know, the swings and misses of Freddie Freeman on, on one Oh two, you know, on his hands that got everybody ooing and eyeing and saying, Oh, Hunter green's a superstar. Yeah, he could be, but he also is going to get blasted some outings. And I mean, last time out, he got absolutely smoked hard contact galore. And you're right. If you can sit on one pitch, I mean, Green's throwing his fastball way too much, and he's got no idea where it's going right now. Like you mentioned, the slider's good, but he doesn't have confidence to locate a slider three times in an at-bat. He just doesn't. No, and and that's the perfect point, right? Because I I thought about it from this lens. If I'm a hitter against Hunter Green, I'm selling out for the fastball because— Oh, my God. Dead red. Look, hitters are two for 30 against the slider. His slider's disgusting. I will happily walk back to the dugout— if Hunter Green spots three sliders in a row, like you said, I, if that's how he beats me, I'll, and guess what I'm going to do my next at bat? The same damn the thing. Same thing. And if he locates six sliders, that's where you'll say, okay, Hunter Green had it today. Congratulations. You had a good outing. I'm going to take those chances any day of the week, because if you cheat on the fastball or cheat for the fastball, you can hit it. It's a little bit faster, but it's not this unhittable pitch. And that's very clear. Nine of the 10 home runs he's given up this year are on the fastball as well. So the trend continues. Here's the big difference in approach between minor league hitters and major league hitters. Major league hitters, you know, if you're not a quadruple A guy, if you're not bouncing back and forth and you are, you know, you've got the flight from Chicago to Charlotte or you got the flight from Pittsburgh to Indianapolis named after you pretty much because you're constantly like fighting for your big league job. And every organization has one of those guys. Yep. But they also have guys that are handed a hundred million dollar deals and know that their job is safe. The difference between minor league hitters and major league hitters are minor league hitters, every single at bat, are trying to prove their worth. Major league hitters know that they have 500 plate appearances coming for them that year at the very minimum. So they are okay forfeiting an at bat if Hunter Green locates three sliders well. They say, okay, yeah, they've got that quick memory where they can scrub it and say, you know what, 45 minutes from now, I'm going to get my chance again. And I dare him to do it again, like you're saying. A hundred percent. And here's the thing. Green's going to have good starts. Like let's be fair to green. He's made a start at Coors Field and then followed that up with a start in Milwaukee. Uh, So it's a little bit difficult to keep the ball in the yard in those two locations. And that's where seven of his home runs came on those back-to-back starts. Uh, Prior to that, through his first three starts, three home runs, not great, not atrocious. It was that outing at, you know, American Family Field that really made things ugly. And fam. For <laughs> and fam made things ugly. On the, but let's, let's be positive here because this is the 20th ranked prospect in baseball. Uh, 19th. 19th ranked prospect in baseball um, before we move on to his teammate. Hunter Green's slider, I, I think we've, he's put it on display this year. I mean, again, two for 30 are opponents against that pitch. It is disgusting with the arm speed that he generates working off of that fastball it is a pitch that will be a swing and miss offering for him. He's shown flashes of feel for the changeup, and that's encouraging, but he just has not thrown it enough. Um, and it's exclusively to lefty. So, I mean, that's something that's going to be a big sticking point for him. The fastball, velo, electricity is insane. Uh, the way he's able to run it in on guys' hands is really impressive. Again, what, what makes Hunter Green so elite is the athleticism for a 6'5, 230 pound, 22 year old. The fact that he's even at the big leagues is a testament to how. Uh, well, he's been able to develop despite the the hiccups and the large gaps between his outings. He should be quite good for a long time, uh, whether he achieves that insane ceiling remains to be seen. But this is the most talented physical athlete I think there, there is uh, on a mound in professional baseball, in my opinion. 
Absolutely. I, I agree. And, you know, there is no current guy that comes anywhere close. He is far and away the best athlete. He was going to go first round as a shortstop. Yep. I don't want people to forget that. He was going to go top 10 as a shortstop, but he went second overall as a pitcher. Yeah. And that kind of says everything you need to know about the athleticism. Uh, next guy is another red uh, and another red that maybe not as great out of the gate, but has been much better as of his last two starts. Nick Lodolo, who's been one of my favorite pitching prospects in baseball for a long time. Uh, a guy that I've always been very adamant uh, in ranking ahead of Hunter Green, not because of anything against Hunter Green, because I think Lodolo's floor is a number four and his ceiling is a, a lights out, you know, really exciting number two type. And that's yeah. what is so awesome about, about Lodolo is that in the worst case scenario, you've got a really good starting pitcher here, assuming that he can stay healthy. Uh, he's looked good overall. And I really liked what we saw from him in that last outing uh, against the Cardinals, five and two thirds. He only gave up one earned run, walked zero, punched out seven. The outing before that against the, uh, the lowly, or sorry, excuse me, it wasn't the lowly, it was the Padres. Uh, the outing against the Padres, he was good. Eight Ks, two walks, three earned runs as well. Uh, getting into just what I know about Nick Lodolo is I love the fastball. It's heavy. He locates it at the bottom of the zone. He is really good at getting soft contact, but he also is good at getting swings and misses. Jack, I mean, that's as a pitcher, what, what else do you want? A guy that can get you strikeouts in bunches, but even when the stuff's not on, he can get you a ton of ground balls and weak contact as well. There's no risk with Nick Lodolo's fastball. There's zero risk. And the profile of fastballs between Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo could not be more different because, because Green is high spin, top of the zone. You're going to get swings underneath it. Lodolo is heavy, bottom of the zone. You're going to get swings on top of it. And guys are going to top it or they're going to, you know, just flat out miss it over the top of it. Um, so I, I like Lodolo's fastball. I, I like that there's no risk there. Green's fastball is obviously better, um, but Lodolo's fastball is good in its own right. I just like Lodolo's ability to mix pitches way more than Green. And also, he's got way better command, exponentially better. better command. Way better. And we've already seen that in the early going. I mean, not really walking guys that much uh, in the big leagues. It's been more just bad spots, untimely hitting, well, uh, his result. But I mean, the swings and misses have been there. The walk rate has, has been strong. And Lodolo through the minor leagues has been a guy that has always, always, always thrown strikes uh, and has always kept the walk rate minuscule with the strikeout rate high and the ground ball rate high, which bodes really well uh, in great American ballpark. It does. It definitely does. Um, the other thing that you might be able to accredit Lodolo's, you know, somewhat high ERA too, is he was dealing with a back thing. He's still on the injured list with the lower back tightness. So like, you know, I bet that guy was pitching through some back tightness and you know what back tightness can do just as like a person that walks around and tries to get out of bed. That shit hurts. It hurts. So I bet Lodolo was hurting when he was trying to pitch. And it's crazy because he was even better in those in those last two outings. And even, like I said, that final outing against the Cardinals before going to the IL, he was fantastic. So I'm expecting Lodolo to, to continue to be good once he comes back. It was really, if it weren't for an injury-shortened season last year, Lodolo is probably the best pitching prospect performance-wise in baseball, if not yeah. right behind mm -hmm. Grayson Rodriguez. 15 two-thirds innings between double and triple A, a 2-3-1 ERA, a 2-0-9 FIP a 0.97 whip, 39% K rate, 5% walk rate. I mean, it's comical what he did last year. Uh, the command on top of what is two plus pitches and an above average changeup. I mean, 
I'm so sold on Nick Lodolo and I'm excited to see him healthy and, you know, back in at full force once he comes back from, from whatever the back ailment is. hundred percent, hundred percent. I think it's funny because I didn't realize it in real time when we were recording yesterday, but 30 to 21, we're all position players and we're about to get to our fourth pitcher in a row. Which is nuts because this is probably one of my favorite pitching prospects in baseball. And again, when we talk about collecting cards and I'm going to get into a card that I picked up of Daniel Espino's of the Cleveland Guardians. uh, I I just love everything about this guy on the mound. He's an extremely athletic, big dude, but moves really well, repeats his mechanics well. Uh, Insane fastball, plus plus fastball, slider that is plus plus, change up that flashes above average to plus, and then a curveball that he'll mix in as well. The command continues to get better. He's on the shelf right now with patella tendinitis, uh, which again, I mean, it's not an arm issue, so hopefully – it wouldn't, won't affect him too much with his landing and, and everything like that. But I mean, he has some of the best pure stuff in all of the minor leagues and uh, is a threat once Grayson Rodriguez graduates to be the best pitching prospect in baseball. So he's 20 years old and he has an elite fastball, an elite slider, a great changeup, and a fine curveball. Mm-hmm. All you have to tell me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing with it with Espino is. The fastball is ticked up to triple digits. We've seen him hit triple digits, crazy vertical break. So it gets an insane amount of swings and misses the slider. I've put up some videos of it. It's, it's one of the best sliders in the minor leagues. It's, it's up there with Meyer and Job and uh, it is disgusting. And if he can develop more feel for the changeup, which already has shown flashes, it's really just that feel and a curveball to steal strikes. I mean, what else do you need from a dude? And the numbers so far have been really good. We'll see how he looks when he comes back, but the guardians do a great job of developing the guys that are command over stuff. Espino is definitely a stuff guy, but the command has been good last year. It's been great this year before going down with an injury. So it seems like that's continuing to get better for him as well. Uh, Espino is going to be an absolute force and it's still just 21 years old, as you noted, Jack. So he's better than the guy that I'm about to bring up right now, like way better than the guy I'm about to bring up right now. But what he is in the guardian system is very similar to what Tristan McKenzie was because McKenzie had the best stuff of that, you know, new crop coming in. Everybody else was command first and, you know, Cleveland helped tick the stuff up. McKenzie was, I've got great stuff, but let's reel it in because you're walking five guys per nine. We can't have that happen. Espino is that type of guy and the command is getting better each go around. The command is going to be better than Tristan McKenzie when, you know, at the time of their respective debuts. Um, And I, I, this guy is a taste breaker a little bit in Cleveland's organization, but in the best way. A hundred percent. They've kept him pretty short uh, in terms of pitch limit. So he's only gone five innings and one outing, four innings, four, not Dodger short, but short, but short. Five innings against Baltimore on April 23rd, uh, Baltimore's double-A ball club. Uh, Bowie. Bowie, the Bay Sox, which is a good the team. Bay Sox. 14 strikeouts, no walks. He's, you know, he's, there are 15 outs in five innings. Yep. One, one soul uh, recorded an out with, without striking out. I mean, this guy is, is extremely special, and I cannot wait to see uh, what he's going to do at the big league level. Uh, one of the names that I am very much hyping up as we move forward through this year. Another guy, though, that I've been hyping up and finally a hitter, a hitter that could be up in Boston soon uh, as they start to 
it starts to panic a little bit, right? I mean, you got to be nervous and it might be time to call up Tristan Casas, Jack. I mean, what else? I, Casas has not been, you know, the typical Tristan Casas in the early going so far this season, but he's still been really damn good. And I think it's time to call him up. He's in 263, 73, 500 uh, slash line, six home runs, 20 driven in. 15% walk rate, 23% K rate, which is what you can expect from Casas. I think even the K rate could be a little bit lower. Usually he he keeps it in the 19% range. Casas is as good as it gets uh, offensively. He's got otherworldly power, but also an ability to adjust with two strikes, spread out, cut the leg kick down, and put bat on ball. And that combination is extremely rare. Uh, the guy's hitting in AAA at this point is a 22-year-old. He's better than Bobby Dalbeck right now. Um, I'm so sold on Tristan Casas. He's, as I've said many times, he is in the department of you can punch me in the face if he doesn't pan out. That's one of the first guys that I've put that claim on. Tristan Casas, you can punch me in the face if he does not pan out. Now, I really want to punch you in the face, but I don't want Tristan Costas to fail. So <laughs> I, I'm kind of at a conundrum at the moment. Um, no, I mean, I, I've heard you say, and I don't know if you've ever said it on a recording. Um, I've heard you say that Tristan Costas is, is one of the lowest risk guys in the top 100. Is he the lowest risk guy in the top 100? In terms of bats? Like, are we talking bats? Yeah, sure. Oh, that's Overall. Overall, no, in the, overall lowest. That's a great question. Overall lowest risk in the top 100. He he damn well might be. He damn well might be. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Yeah, I, I would say so. In terms of the the bat that I believe, yeah, I, I don't. There's not a bat I'm more confident in than Tristan Casas is. Yeah, I, I I will I will I will stand by that. There we go. And there might be better bats on this top 100 list. Like guys will put up better offensive seasons than Tristan Casas, but the 50th percentile, the baseline worst case scenario for Casas and the best case scenario are, are more condensed than really anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's the raw power from a 6'4", 250 pound guy that moves extremely well. He's an above average defender at first. He's already put up 115, 116 mile per hour exit velos. He hit, he hit a home run, by the way, 110 off of Mark Appel, who's been throwing really well this year. Yeah, yeah that Mark Appel. Yeah. Uh, but he's put up 115s, 116s. He uses the whole field. Again, the spread out with two strikes is so impressive, and it's a testament to his bat-to-ball skills. I've never seen somebody more meticulous with their hitting progressions, and uh, he's got it between the ears in terms of just being a pro's pro. Makeup wise, bat to ball wise, physical potential wise, physical ability wise, he checks every single box. Tristan Casas uh, is going to be a superstar. And I see a lot of Freddie Freeman in the bat. I really do. And, and that's that's one that I, I've I've slapped on on Tristan Casas. The only reason he's not a higher ranked prospect is because he's stuck at first base. But again, to be a first baseman that's ranked 16th in all of baseball, uh, I think is pretty impressive. No, I, the bat need the bat needs to be Vaughn level, right? Because that's what Andrew Vaughn was last year. At this point, he was a top twenty prospect in baseball as a first baseman. The bat was that good. That's the kind of bat we're talking about with Tristan Casas. He is a foolproof impact bat for the Boston Red Sox, and I think with more upside even than Andrew Vaughn in the power. Really? Bar. Yeah, I, I just think he impacts the baseball at a different level. I really Whoa, do. Okay. I really do. Um, and I love Vaughn. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Vaughn, but I, I look at Casas and what, what he can do to the baseball, how he can miss hit balls, you know, the other way that get out. And I, I think he's got this, this, 
different level to his game than maybe a lot of other guys uh, that, that we've seen. And uh, I think by the midseason update, if he's not called up, he could be a guy that's way, way up there, uh, even higher on our list. A guy that could go the opposite direction, though, Jack, uh, a Chicago guy. Uh-huh. Not the White Sox because they don't have a single player on this list, uh-huh. uh, but the Chicago Cubs, Brennan Davis, name that I've been talking about for a while now. Uh, I mean, since he was not even considered a top 15 prospect in the Cubs system, here he is as a top 15 prospect in our top 100, and he's off to a very rough start to this season, Jack. I mean, it, it has been a, a bit surprising to see how much Davis has struggled. I, you've seen a little bit of him in person already this year, right? Yeah, I watched him for a week. And I mean, it was early, right? It was cold. I mean, what, what did it, it look wasn't like? that early? It was two weeks ago. Okay. And, it was and like what, is, what did you see in that series? I saw um, more a forearm definition when somebody was gripping the bat than I should see. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, when you grip the bat really tightly, you get the forearms popping a little bit. That guy was gripping the bat tighter than anybody I've seen. I mean, I, he was pressing, dude, and he was expanding the zone. He was getting blown up by 93. There, it was mental. It was all mental. So I have no idea when he's going to bounce out of that. But as we know, mental slumps can can go for a little bit. So uh, I hope he gets out of it really quick. But th- this was a guy that was getting into his own head a couple couple weeks into the minor league season. I mean, and you can see it even with the setup. He's adjusted his setup a little bit. The hands are a bit more pronounced and a bit more out in front of him. And as a result, you know, it looks almost you can see that stiffness to him. And it looks like he's he's a little bit slower to the ball. It looks like he's kind of tinkering and experimenting out there, which is interesting because I don't know why he was really good last year. He was really good last year. I mean, we're talking about a guy that hit 17 home runs that, you know, put up a 140 WRC plus, maybe even better than that. It it, it was a really good year for Davis. He was walking a bunch. Um, He's still walking, but he's paying a good deal. And the quality of contact just just hasn't been there. Uh, It's interesting. I, I don't know what the adjustment, what the reason is behind it, why he's, you know, gotten his hands more out there and more in a more uncomfortable and pronounced spot is the best way I can put it. Uh, and I, and I do have some concern that that might not be the best setup for him. And I'm interested to see, you know, what kind of adjustments he can make. Here's the good news. He's 22 years old. He's extremely athletic. He's six, four, two, ten. He can play center field. He can play a plus corner. Uh, he's going to be okay. It's just, maybe this is delaying what we thought could be a mid season call up may end up being a September call-up or might altogether just be next year, uh, depending on how Davis looks. But uh, he's not quite going to break through as early as we thought. And that could be some of the pressure that's mounting on him a little bit too. Yeah. Um, another thing that I want to point out with him, soft contact all over the place. When it's in the air, it's not hard. This guy has a line drive rate at the moment is 6%. Yeah, that's not going to that's not gonna fly, literally. I think that's the worst mark in AAA baseball at the moment. It probably is. And you look at the home run to fly ball rate. It's it's almost a third of what it was last year. So a percentage of balls that he is hitting in the air, to your point, uh, are leaving the yard at about a third of a of a clip. It's going to be hard to succeed that way. You're swinging and missing more and your contact is weaker. Um, no bueno. A lot more ground balls, a lot more weak fly balls. So he's going to have to work through some things out there, but it's early. He has already proven that he can hit. Uh, but he's definitely a, a red flag at 15 if we're talking midseason update. How about this? Uh, lowest line drive rate in AAA baseball. There are four guys with a line drive rate under 10% with their batted balls. Brennan Davis has the lowest at 6%. 
Khalil Lee at 7.7%, <laughs> Ryan Kreidler at 9.1%, and I like Kreidler. Yeah. And then Mark Vientos at 95 no. who's having a brutal go of it with Syracuse. Two hits yesterday. Don't uh, oh, so good. hopefully good. hopefully he's turning it around because you, we know uh, you know I'm a Vientos fan, but yeah, I mean that's not good company right now. No, not good company at all. Uh, but a guy that's been the opposite, I think, and, and would be good company on the Eugene Emeralds, which is <laughs> a, just a loaded, loaded ball club. It's probably not going to be much longer that Marco Luciano is going to be a, a, a Eugene Emerald because he has been just special this year. He's really seems like he figured it out, and you know, thirty six games at the high A level as a 19 year old that was to get acclimated for this right for the full season at high A and it's not going to be a full season because he's going to play his way to double but he struggled in high A after hitting really well and low uh, and again very normal for a teenager comes back this year redoes high A or at least gets a second taste of it and he's been fantastic 300 374 513 slash line uh, for the Giants. He's the Giants top prospects, one of the best prospects in baseball, uh, one of the most sought after names in the hobby. If we're talking about cards and uh, four home runs already this year, he puts up some of the most impressive exit velos you're going to see, which is pretty impressive because he's only about 6'2, 185, uh, but hits the ball really damn hard. And I mean, now we're seeing more bat to ball ability, which is extremely encouraging. And he's filling out a little bit, right? His face is filling out a little bit. It looks like he's getting a bit stockier. He's building into what will look like a major league baseball player as opposed to, you know, this lanky kid that they signed for two and a half million bucks. Um, Luciano or Luciano, what I, what I love about him is this is a guy that can swing it like a non shortstop, yeah. but he is a solid enough shortstop. Um, and if you play a really good defensive shortstop and you swing it like a third baseman, you've got a spot in major league baseball and you've got a spot on the national league all-star team. Yep. Yep. I mean, and the, the, the comp for Luciano is like, what, what do you imagine here? It's gotta be, it, he's not going to have the speed and dynamic ability of a Fernando Tatis, but if it all comes together with Marco Luciano offensively, there's not going to be very many shortstops in the game that are putting together more, more power uh, and more production then Marco Luciano, we're talking about a guy that hit one of the hardest balls of the StatCast era as an as a 18, 19-year-old. Uh, somebody that can already put up 112, 113, 114. I think we've, we've seen 118s from him, which is just a joke. Uh, and now we're seeing the bat to ball. He's not a burner, and that's a thing. He's probably closer to an average fielder, but with, with a rocket for an arm. It's going to be the bat that carries him, but the bat continues to look like it can really carry him to ridiculous heights. Even if he moves to third, the arm will accommodate that. The bat will accommodate that. I think he can stick it short. He's probably not going to be a plus defender there, uh, but if, as an offensive-minded shortstop with a big arm, uh, sounds good to me when he's hitting 35, 40 home runs, which is, I think, the potential here. I have no idea what the comp is. There, I don't think there is one. Like. There really isn't one, I don't think. No, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain. Like, it's it's this year's Austin Riley, but he can play short. Yeah, how many shortstops? I, I always talk about how shortstops a power position now, but to a certain level, right? How many shortstops are hitting 40? Right, he's Outside got more power than Bo Bichette. He absolutely does. Yes, absolutely has more power than But that's probably the best comp is, is almost a, a more powerful Bo Bichette. He's not going to have the same speed. He's going to have a little bit of defensive inconsistency. It's tough. There's He's no one of those guys. Coach. No, no. And I think that's, that's a testament to him, right? Like how unique he yeah. is. Um, again, I hope he sticks it short. If he moves to third, who cares? Because he is very, very special. Love seeing the walk rate go up. Love seeing the strikeout rate go down. 
One thing to monitor with Marco Luciano, though, is he really struggles with picking up change-ups, which everybody does. But last year was a disaster. If you look at his splits, couldn't hit lefties. Again, this year, change-ups continue to, to give him a hard time, but he is punishing fastballs and breaking balls now at a better clip than he ever has, which has masked some of the inconsistencies with change-ups. But that's going to be the scouting report on Luciano, and until he can improve on that, he's going to see more and more change-ups at the higher levels. So something to follow there. Uh, but, I mean, this guy's kind of progressing exactly as we had hoped and what we had thought, um, and you know that's really exciting to see. 100%. Um, before we move on, should I order you a Eugene Emeralds hat? Would you wear a Eugene Emeralds hat or would you Absolutely. like a shirt? A, a shirt. I would rock a, a Eugene Emeralds shirt any day okay. of the week. Any day of the freaking week. I, I, I would, I, I'm going to get out there in Eugene, Oregon, one of these days, but the, the team might not be good by the time I get out there. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into the next guy, CJ Abrams, San Diego Padres. Uh, look, rush to the big leagues, pretty simple, uh, cut and dry. He should not be up there right now. Uh, and you know, like he's, he's shown good flashes. The glove, which I think is extremely encouraging, is legitimate. He's a legitimate big league shortstop. Uh, the bat is starting to get going for him, but the ABs are a bit sporadic. He has hit safely in his last two ball games. Uh, he did have a multi-hit game last week, so starting to improve. But a guy that had only really played in the double-A level for, what, 60 games before Going down with the injury last year, 42 games is actually the number. So he had really only played 76 professional games, period, with 32 of those coming at rookie ball in 2019. Only 40 full season minor league games. And this guy gets brought, brought up to the big leagues, AJ Preller style. And fuck, he just wasn't, he isn't ready. And I think he's done a decent job at surviving given the circumstances. Yeah, I, I just hate that the conversation around C.J. Abrams has shifted to what it is now. Like, oh, he's got to go back down. He, he wasn't ready. It was a mistake bringing him up instead of lauding his ability and saying, wow, this guy is like shredding through AAA. Let's get him up right now. Um, I would prefer that to be the case. Yeah. You think about it. I think about C.J. Abrams and I say, OK, you know, like maybe a, an ever slightly downgrade, but the way that he entered this year, he had, you know, a, a similar timetable to Wander Franco, where Franco last year, he could have broken camp with Tampa, but it would have been way too soon. And if he struggled, then Eric Neander was going to wear that. He went to Durham. Wander Franco obliterated AAA pitching in Durham, came up in June, and the rest is history. I wish that's how it went with C.J. Abrams. But instead, A.J. Preller decided to do A.J. Preller things and bring a guy up that was not ready. He's been blown up to this point. He's playing good defense. He's running the bases well, but you got to hit to stay as an everyday big league guy. And when Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back, I think Abrams is the guy that has to go down. Yeah. And, and what they've been getting from Hassan Kim, and they just don't really need Abrams up there right now. And uh, to your point, Wander Franco actually struggled a little bit in the early going that AAA season. Very, very small struggle, but worked through it. And that struggle might have been more pronounced if he started the season at the big league level, right? So mm -hmm. Abrams needed a little bit more time. I would have wanted to see him continue to, to work on tapping into a little bit more power. And that's all things you can do in the minor leagues. Now in the big leagues, it's like, let me just put the bat on the ball and survive and help this team win. That's trying to keep up with the Dodgers. So it's a totally different environment that is really not conducive to development. I will say it is good that Abrams is getting that experience, uh, that he's getting a taste of the big leagues. I'm sure he's learned a ton, but I would have liked to have seen him spend more time in the minor leagues. 
to, to sum up CJ Abrams, though, I mean, this is a guy with, with some of the best speed in the minor leagues has above average power. And, and again, above average raw power is something I really try to emphasize with Abrams. I don't think people realize it. Like he can leave the yard foul pole to foul pole. He's capable of it. It's just finding that balance of, do I want to try to lift or do I want to just try to put the ball on the ground and beat it out? He can hit the ball out. He has 20 home run power, at least. It's just whether it's in his approach or not. Bat to ball wise, he's a plus hitter. I mean, borderline 70 hitter. And I mean, you put all that together and you've got one of the most exciting prospects in baseball. I don't think either of our perspectives have shifted whatsoever on CJ Abrams, right? No, I don't think so. Um, And, you know, you said that this guy might be a 3000 hit guy. Um, I, I think CJ Abrams over many, um, we, we tried going through it. You know, who were the guys that could theoretically put together 3000 hits? And the answer is Wander Franco and CJ Abrams. Yep. 2,990 to go for Abrams. He's only 21 years old. So let's, let's see how it goes for CJ, but he, he is one of the, one of the guys that you have to think about if anyone's going to do it. Um, he's probably one of them. Uh, but yeah, he, he needs to get a little bit more consistency there and a little bit more experience. I think in the upper minor leagues will help, but the glove is extremely encouraging the development we've seen there without a doubt. Oh yeah. We'll go into maybe one of my favorite guys now. Uh, and we talk about your favorite guy. Yeah. Probably my favorite guy. I have his autograph card here somewhere. Corbin Carroll. Uh, Corbin Carroll is the epitome of a ball player. Uh, is is like I just don't even know how else to describe it because the guy is a speedster of all speedsters right there with with CJ Abrams in terms of how quick he is but also unbelievable field to hit unbelievable instincts and now all of a sudden Jack this 5'10 175 pound kid has power like legit power nine home runs are you kidding me four home runs in his last two games this guy is hitting for for power in the upper minors and heck man, he could be a superstar. Didn't he put on a shit ton of good weight too? I, I, like shit ton is strong. Cause he still looks very like lean and quick. And I, I think he did put on about 10 to 15 pounds, but you, you can't see it. You can see it in the, the production in the exit velos, but you can't really see it physically. So we, with Corbin Carroll, I mean, I love how smooth this guy is. Like when, when you watch Corbin Carroll, whether it be with highlights or whether you turn on MILB TV and you watch an Amarillo Sod Poodles game at the moment, Sod Corbin, yeah, right, the Saudis, um, Hodgetown. Uh, but yeah, Corbin Carroll is the type of guy that glides in the outfield. He puts sweet swings on everything. He never has a bad swing that he puts on a ball and he flies around the bases. He is the guy that jumps out like, oh, yeah, he's the best player on the field. You know, he's the one where you walk up to the ballpark and and you just see everybody do everything on the baseball field. It's very Trey Turner-esque. He's yep. just the the true baseball player here. Without a doubt. And so so how many games do, do the double-A teams play, Jack? Uh, 140, I think okay. that's right. So he's played 24 games so far. So 140 divided by, let's say, 24 roughly is what, like seven, six? 140 divided by, uh, they play 130, I think. 130 divided by 24 is 5.4. 5.4. So he's on pace for 40, almost 50 home runs and almost 50 stolen bases. Obviously, it's not going to happen, but he's hitting – 326, 458, 695, nine home runs, eight stolen bases, 16% walk rate, 24% K rate for a 21-year-old at the double-A level. Here's the thing, though. 
Bobby Witt went 30-30 in minor league baseball last year, right? Between double A AA and triple A. Mm-hmm. Corbin Carroll could go 30-30 this year. And nobody would have expected that. Everybody expected that with Bobby Witt. Nobody expected that from, from Corbin Carroll. How does the ball fly out there, though, in, in Amarillo? It flies. It's yes. the moon. Amarillo is the moon. How much does that take? Like, how much do you think that's playing a part here? Um, I think instead of nine homers, you can take it down to seven, but like, I don't, you know, I, I think the exit velos and the launch angles probably say that, that they're bombs wherever. Yeah. And what's amazing to me is that they're like oppo bombs. The, the, yeah. These are, these are balls that he's hitting the other way that are carrying out, but that, it did stand out to me when he's taking this almost inside out swing the other way. I tweeted the video the other day. I was like, Corbin Carroll's doing this now. Uh, like this is a problem if he's doing this for the rest of the league. And uh, it, you mentioned the the home, the home, home runs. He has seven at home, two on the road, but 14 games at home, 10 on the road. I, so he's played four more games at home anyways. What, what, do, what do you expect him to do? Yeah. It, it, the power, even if it's in the 20 department with the bat to ball skills that he has with the power that he has with the plus, he's probably going to displace Alec Thomas from center field because he's so good in center. Thomas is probably going go to going to go to a corner. I mean, this guy is everything Alec Thomas is, but with better tools, like with more explosive tools, which is freaking crazy to say. Peter and I were just talking about on the Just Baseball show yesterday um, or today, actually. Um, the, the, the outfield trio of Alec Thomas in left, Corbin Carroll in center, and Dalton Varsho in right is pretty enjoyable to think about. It's got to be one of the fastest outfields in baseball. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't you have a makeup background story on Corbin Carroll too? So yeah, actually, Merville Melendez of FIU, Florida International University, he's, he's coached there, coaches with Jeff Conine, um, and I had the opportunity to just talk to Merville Melendez about coaching Team USA because he was part of the staff for Team USA, and you know that's where all the best players play out of high school. And I mean, it, it was Corbin Carroll, Bobby Witt, Riley Green, Alec Tom, like every top high school kid you can imagine was there. And I asked him, I was like, you know, when you're watching batting practice and watching guys work and going through everything, who, who stood out the most? I, I'm expecting him to say Riley Green or Bobby Witt, right? Or he said Corbin Carroll. Because what that guy does with his maximizing every inch of his frame, but also just knowing himself as a hitter. We talk about how Alec Thomas makes those in-at-bat adjustments. He, he, Merville Melendez was, was gushing about how Corbin Carroll makes those in at bad adjustments, how he can almost throw his hands at a tough pitch and spoil it, how, how he can manipulate the barrel, but also how when it's in the right spot, he will crush that ball and hit a home run. And it reminds me a little bit of like the, the Ellsbury and Damons of the world where the way they swing, it looks like a slap hitter, right? That one hand finished through, it looks like they're just slapping the ball, but it carries out of the yard. And, you know, look at what Damon did in terms of home runs. Look at what Ellsbury did when, when he was hot in the home run territory, a little bit of a byproduct of his environment. But I think Damon's a fair comparison here of a guy that you look at, it's like, oh, that's a slap hitter. Oh shit. He has 20, 25 home runs. And I think that's exactly what Corbin Carroll could be. Speaking of power, and there's nothing burgeoning about O'Neill Cruz's power, uh, but right now it's 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 hiding. <laughs> you cannot find O'Neill Cruz's production, but this is one of the two 80 raw power guys. The only present 80 raw power guy, though, which is an important distinction to make because with the other 80 is Jordan Walker, who we're, we're saying projects as an 80. Not there yet. O'Neill Cruz is an 80 raw power guy. Now we've seen it already. We've seen 121s, which would put him, you know, in the top of major league baseball with only John Carlos Stanton. We've seen the tape measure home runs off the roller coaster in right field. We've seen it all, but 
we've almost forgotten about it this year because O'Neill Cruz and you've seen it up close and personal uh, as the, one of the play-by-play guys for the Indianapolis Indians, a triple A affiliate of the Pittsburgh pirates. O'Neill Cruz has not been the O'Neill Cruz that we saw last year who hit 310, 375, 594 with 17 home runs and 68 freaking games. Yep. Um, O'Neill had a better weekend this past weekend. He hit another bomb. Um, but I mean, this guy, like he, he was sitting on one home run for a long time and it took him three weeks to get that first home run. It was the, uh, the series finale against Columbus week three. So it was game 18 of the season to that point. And O'Neill Cruz hit a walk-off home run in the 11th inning that I think traveled at 116 miles an hour and went 430 to right field. That's the type of thing that he does. So like when he dials it up, he unloads. And what I'm quickly realizing about O'Neill, yes, he's got that 6'7 frame and he's he's thicker than 210 right now. I bet he's 220, 225. He moves really well at short. I don't think he's got the range of other shortstops, but he moves well there and he's got the best arm that I've ever seen in person. Um, but in terms of where the exit velos come and in terms of where that 80 grade raw power comes from, yeah, I, I think a lot of it's from that 6-7 frame, but I also think a lot of it is from his swing path. It's a very, very long swing. He starts at the back of the zone and he shoots himself forward. So I think that the swing path gets him a lot of that velo. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's interesting because he, he's so long physically, right? He's 6'7", 200 and whatever pounds, big wingspan. So he, he has a natural challenge to stay short to the ball. And that's why you can see, his, his way of trying to do that and stimulate that short feeling is having his hands almost like right against his body, right? He, you'll get Brennan Davis. We we're talking about, he's like way out there in front of him. And, and that's, you know, works for some guys. Clearly it's not working for Brennan right now, but you look at O'Neill, he's trying to keep those hands almost tied into his body. I think almost is just like that reminder to, to stay close. And when he is staying short to the ball, you know, short for him, he's so quick that he can get away with being a little bit longer you know, to the ball than the average guy. Okay. Jesus Sanchez. That's a guy that's even longer and almost looks like his bat sweeps through, but he's so freakishly twitchy that he can ke- catch up to stuff. Yeah. O'Neill, when he's going right, you know, the, the swing's not going to be too long. He, he's going to be quick enough to it, but when he's going wrong, you can see that cast out a bit too early, right? Where the, the bay, he loses the barrel a bit too early and that's where it drags through. And that's where he's hitting the ball on the ground where he's out and around it, or it's getting in on his fists and he's not going to get that lift. It's going to drag through the zone. And I think we're seeing that with Cruz right now. There's more of that sweep and drag through the zone. And that's why he's had, I think you you pointed it out to me, one of the highest ground ball rates in the minor leagues thus far, right? Or at least in the early going, that was the case. In the early goings, it was the case. And, and I sent it to you because I was like, this is so weird because the top three highest ground ball rates in AAA baseball three weeks through the season were Mark Vientos, again, O'Neill Cruz, and Travis Swaggerty. O'Neal, Three guys O'Neal. that should never hit the ball on the ground. Like never, realistic. never, never. Um, and I was just like, okay, like this is the big problem here. But then it is, um, it, it is transformed a little bit. And now he's getting under a lot of pitches. So I assume he's going to take this Goldilocksian middle ground, yep. hopefully starting tonight in Charlotte against the night so I can call some O'Neill bombs. Um, but I mean, hopefully this guy figures it out because he was rolling over a lot of stuff. And then he's under and he's, you know, popping a lot of balls up right now. Um, he was also striking out all the time, too. 
he was getting behind 0-2 very, very quickly. He was taking strike one, and then he was swinging through strike two. Um, I think that the weather is going to help him because it's a nice day in Indianapolis right now. It's going to be nice in Charlotte all week. Wouldn't be shocked if he has a big week. This is a guy that I talked to by the cage after they were in St. Paul for a week. And um, he was a joy to talk to, first of all. And second of all, I asked him, you know, was that the coldest weather you've ever played in? He said, yeah. Um, And I said, do you feel comfortable? You know, do you feel a lot better playing when it's really hot out? He said, yeah, that's what I grew up with. So like he's he's the type of guy that, you know, wants to play when it's really warm out. He's a summertime smasher. And talk about the swing and miss here. after the golden sombrero against Chicago, uh, since then he's played one, two, three, four, five games, and he's only struck out twice. So, I mean, that's gotta be extremely encouraging there where over the last five games at home, better weather, more comfortable. Uh, he is not struck out as much and he's had now back to back multi-hit games. And before that had, had another hit, uh, and two RBI and two walks the game before that. So he's definitely seems to be showing signs of life. I don't think anybody was concerned long-term. I think a little bit of it, it was, was the, the send down hangover too. It's one thing to be sent to triple a. And we saw that with a lot of guys that we thought should have been at the big league level, Miranda, Jose Miranda, MJ Melendez, uh, O'Neill Cruz all kind of struggled when first sent there. I think a combination of imagine you feel like you belong in the big leagues. I'm sure all three of those aforementioned guys felt like they belonged in the big leagues. Not only are you sent to triple a in the middle of nowhere, the weather stinks, and now you got to play fired up, inspired baseball. Uh, you know, I could understand it's not excusable, but I could understand why the focus could be a little bit lapsing in the early going of the season for these guys that feel like they shouldn't even be where they are right now. 100%. I understand that. Um, what I don't understand, and I don't think O'Neill looks at Twitter and sees, you know, all these people saying stuff um, on Twitter, but. What I don't understand is everybody coming to to his aid when you know he hits this mammoth walk off homer. Guys hitting a buck sixty when he did that. Yeah, like but oh Pipeline's look at what he did. Tweet that video out. Yeah, yeah, O'Neal Cruz, he's amazing. All right, dude's hitting one seventy, but then you've got you know the Ben Verlanders of the world, and you've got other people tweeting this is a joke that he's down there crying laughing emoji. Get him up, pirates, you idiots! Like no, he's hitting a buck seventy. Relax for a moment. So I, I don't think people are giving Pittsburgh. The, the chance to let O'Neill develop. There was still some need to develop for him. I could see it very clearly so far. You saw it with a 70% ground ball rate through the first three weeks of the season. And then all of a sudden he was getting under everything. If he's right this week, if he's right the week after, great. He's a Pittsburgh pirate. Get him up. Uh, but yeah, it, it's going to take some time. It needed yeah. a couple weeks. I like the experiment too, while he's in the, while he's in the minors to, to get a little bit of spot starts in left field see how he does out there. Like this is the time to do it uh, before he gets to the big league level. See how he does, but also just continue to improve the defense. Last question on O'Neill Cruz, eight stolen bases. You've obviously seen a majority of them, all of them, I should say. How how legitimate is that as as a part of his game? He's really fast. He's really really fast. So you you think he's going to swipe bags at the the highest level? I think he's going to swipe 20 to 25 bags. It's pretty lit. As, as a six, seven shortstop, I think he's going to swipe 20 to 25 bags. Um, another thing I, I mentioned it in passing best arm that I've ever seen live. I think the only arm that is comparable to him is Carlos Correa. I think Correa has got a better arm than O'Neill Cruz, but it's not very far off. I think O'Neill's got a better arm than Baez. Um, I think O'Neill's got a better arm than pretty much anybody else in baseball. Okay. So here's my big question for you now, as we pivot to the final segment here, you could buy O'Neill Cruz cards right now, let's say. 
because this was a card that as he, he was going off in spring training, if you remember, I am and putting up some, <laughs> some tape measure shots and I bought one O'Neill Cruz card right before the boom. And then I couldn't even get any more in time on eBay because they were selling so quickly. His card is going for about $200 is Bowman Chrome Auto, maybe a little bit more depending on, you know, which sale you look at pretty expensive. Uh, would you still buy O'Neill Cruz right now on eBay? I'd look for value elsewhere. So you, I mean, here's the thing though. We're talking about the 11th prospect in baseball could be a superstar. How, like what kind of superstar do you think this guy could be? Like where you're buying this card for $200. Could he be in the territory of, of some of the most expensive, you know, exciting cards, players in the game. Who's in a thousand dollar card right now. The Wander Francos, Julio Rodriguez's of the world. Even like the Spencer Torkelson cards, I think they're probably letting off a little bit of steam, but they're going for a lot. Yeah, then I'd say buy it. That's value. Okay, how about this though? Corbin Carroll or or O'Neill Cruz? How much is Carroll? About the same. To be honest, probably O'Neill. Really? Yeah, because what he does is like so unique, right? What he is a baseball player that the world has never seen before. Yeah, no, I agree. And actually, Carroll's going for more now. A Bowman Chrome Auto of Corbin Carroll just sold on eBay for $285. Oh, buy the dip on O'Neill then, man. Yeah, buy the dip on O'Neill. Wow. Corbin's going for that much. Seems like people are starting to wisen up to uh, Corbin Carroll. Isn't it amazing how, the, how quickly when a guy goes off, the market just, just reacts to that yeah. on yes. eBay? It's, so, okay, you're saying O'Neill there. One last one for you. Uh, cause I think these guys are all in the same conversation. Would you rather have CJ Abrams Bowman Chrome Auto or the Bowman Chrome Auto of Corbin Carroll? CJ Abrams is selling for about $250, I believe. So 250 versus 280 for Carroll. Let's say for argument's sake, they're about the same. I'd go Carroll. You go Carroll over CJ Abrams. I think so. And you think there's just more, more impact potential there? I think so. Yeah. I, I think that's his market matters that, though. One's going to be playing potentially for the Padres, but could be blocked. Like could move to say that's no, but one, one could be a 30, 30 guy. Yeah. Abrams probably is never going to get into 30. I think he can get into 20, but I don't think he's going to get into 30, uh, right. which, which is a fair question. That's the crazy thing though on eBay, man. Like these cards are going for 280, <laughs> $300 for some of these guys, which is nuts. Marco Luciano is one other one too. And th- that's a card that I'm assuming I haven't checked in very recently, but as I look it up right now, for argument's sake, again, where do you put Marco Luciano as a, as a card purchase in comparison to, and all these guys, you're not going to make money. Like realistically, probably not the best quote unquote investments. I think it's just very interesting to contextualize it. If you open a, a box and pull one of these guys, like I pulled a Corbin Carroll, uh, I'm just holding it. But which would you rather have? Uh, would you rather have the Marco Luciano or the O'Neill Cruz potentially? Uh, assuming that Luciano is more money and, and a decent amount more. I think mean, Luciano's sell for more than like $400 uh, for his Bowman Cromato. Yeah, I think I'm going O'Neill Cruz. Because of the, see, I look at the proximity too, right? Like he's already proven that he could hit double A. He's shown yeah. in, in small spurts, triple A. 
but Marco Luciano could be the more well-rounded player long-term. I don't know. I don't know. How do you compare those two guys? Freak power dudes, but one six, seven and unprecedented. Yeah. I think I'm taking the, you called him a unicorn in your write-up. I think I'm taking the unicorn. So O'Neill Cruz, the best buy of the bunch right here. And I actually think it's probably still a good buy up until about the 250 range. If you can find one in the low two hundreds or his base, his Bowman Chrome base cards for 20 bucks, scoop those up because if he becomes the guy that we think he can become, those base cards will even be worth a ton. hundred percent. Um, I actually just got a couple of cards. What'd you get? Um, I saw a random assortment that our a wild card rating put out of Bowman firsts. And I got George Valera and Ellie De La Cruz Bowman first. A pair of those for 15 bucks. No way. Let's start small. Let's get big. Let's no get way. Big. Welcome to the hobby, Jack McMullen. Uh, Thank so you. Those are good buys. George Valera, not a great buy on the market right now because the product just came out. So when you look at Bowman baseball, extremely expensive at the moment. But if you pull that, hold on to George Valera. He has been red hot and is super exciting. Speaking of exciting, we are going to get into the final 10, Jack, the top 10 prospects on the next episode. Any final thoughts ahead of your call uh, in AAA as you're about to go see O'Neill Cruz play real baseball? I'm about to go see your mean Mercedes play real baseball. Ooh. How exciting is that, man? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I love this crop. And it, it starts with 20. Again, just baseball.com. Don't mean to self-pump, but... Um, I, I think you can learn a lot about George Kirby in a good way and, and how he started, where he's come. I mean, this was a guy that was 88 to 90 when he got on campus at Elon and he's not 88 to 90 anymore. So. No, add, add 10 to that. Uh, add 10 add, miles add 10 an hour. That. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode. We got the top 10 prospects in baseball for you on the next episode. As always, thank you for listening. You take the moment to leave a rating, help us grow the show. We'd really appreciate it. Look forward to talking prospects with you on the next episode.